It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello to all. Welcome to Divas at Care Network. I am Joyce Benning, and I will be your host for this very invigorating, robust lifestyle show. I want to thank each one of our listeners today, and I am so grateful for each one of you for tuning into this podcast and also for listening on the recording. And I am just so excited today to have with me a returning diva, Susan Wagner, and she is going to speak about the work that they do at Equine Advocates. Oh my, am I excited. Susan, could you please introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself today, please? Sure, and thank you for having me back. It means a lot, and I really appreciate it. Okay, so my my name is Susan Wagner, and I am the president and founder of Equine Advocates. We are a national nonprofit equine protection organization based in Chatham, New York, which is in Columbia County in about two and a half hours north of New York City. Um, I founded the organization on February 27, 1996, so we have celebrated 25 years of, of this organization operating, which is a huge milestone for us. And we we plan to have a big birthday party. You know, doing that in the age of chat in the age of COVID is a challenge. Uh, not to mention everything else that we do. But we've gotten through it miraculously. And you know, it, you, you have to mark a um, a milestone like that. So we're going to do our best. Um, but we are a horse sanctuary and rescue organization. I founded it um, as a, as an advocacy group and then began rescuing horses, and eventually, eight years after founding the organization, we established this sanctuary in Chatham, New York, which is uh, home to 81 equines, including horses, ponies, donkeys, and mules. And uh, we only take um, equines in who have no one to speak for them. In other words, there is, there's so much need out there for horses who mm-hmm. need good homes. But, you know... Um, horses that are slaughter-bound, abandoned, seized by police during cruelty raids, and otherwise in jeopardy are the ones that we primarily take. Oh, oh Susan, what a, what a beautiful heart you have in opening it up like that to help Thank these you. horses. And like you said, be their voice. Oh, I just love that. Well, I have to ask, has this always been a passion for you or what what was the drive to 25 years ago to have you open a sanctuary like this from horses well you know how some people will say there was an incident in their lives that changed the direction of their lives well that happened to me <laughs> it, it happened oh. to me um, in in 2003 I was working at a zoological institution and uh, there were a couple of horses there and a, and a, and a donkey, and one of the horses there 
uh, was sort of old and crabby and not fitting in with the program. He was in a children's zoo and was not good around children. And so they decided to get rid of him, and uh, I was told that he was going to be sold for meat. And I said, what? <laughs> and they said, yes, well, you know, they, they eat horses in Europe and Japan, and so he'll just go to slaughter, um, and that's that. And I was taken aback. I mean, to say that I was in shock would be an understatement because I had been spent some years in the racing industry and, and other parts of the horse industry, and this was a deep, dark secret. Mind you, in the early 90s, some people had computers, um, but the Internet was not as widely used as it is now. And at that time, there were 16 slaughterhouses operating in the United States for horses. There are none anymore. Uh, we're still shipping horses to slaughter live over our borders into Mexico and Canada, but we do not have any more slaughterhouses operating in the United States. But we did, we did back then, which is not even all that long ago. And so I rescued that horse. And since I was living in Queens, New York, and that's not a place to keep a horse, I asked a friend who lived in Maryland with a small farm if he could come and pick up this horse. Um, the name of the horse was Gandalf, and everybody knows I call him my co-founder because without him, this would never, this organization would never have happened. And at the same time that he came down from Maryland to pick up Gandalf, uh, the the um, the zoo got a call about a miniature horse in trouble on Staten Island, which is another part of New York City. And so I said, Charlie, would you take a detour to Staten Island, pick up that little mini, and take both of them? And he said yes. So needless to say, when we um, founded uh, the sanctuary um, in 2004, uh, Gandalf had passed away a year before that. But the little mini, who was four years old, um, he was he was uh, three years old when I rescued him, just turned 31. So oh, he wow. is here, and he came home. Um, it's it's a very a very long story about how we got to the sanctuary, but um, it's 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 you know while it's bittersweet that Gandalf isn't here because he's the reason that introduced me to horse slaughter and and our our agenda and and mission to stop it. That was that was the um, the inspiration for me starting this organization, but the little guy is still here, and he's a constant reminder of 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 how this organization got started. Oh my, what a beautiful story! Oh, and you look on your website on Equine Advocates, and the picture of you and Ganda—you just see the love in both of your eyes. I mean, he—you can tell he is very grateful to you in that picture and oh i love how you call him your co-founder that is just that is just <laughs> awesome and the story of still having the little mini oh my goodness how his his spirit is living through gandalf in a lot of ways i would feel because they went they were both rescued together at the same time oh that well, is the photo i incredible. sent you the photo i sent you is of me and that little mini his name is rain man Oh, oh, I love that name. How cute. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, he is, that is just awesome. Well, being in this for 25 years now, do you, what locations, how far out do you reach on rescuing horses? Or what are your main focuses on 
where you're rescuing horses at? Well, we've rescued horses from as far away as Manitoba, Canada, um, wow. California, not that long ago, Texas, Florida, uh-huh. Illinois, you know, all over the country. They're not just from one place. In Canada, you know, it's the PMU mares and PMU foals, which is a big issue for us. And right. horse slaughter is all over. You know, we're still sending mm-hmm. horses from every state to slaughter. And, you know, we're hoping that in our lifetimes that that will end. Uh, we think it will, uh, but it's been slow happening. And it's uh, even though there aren't as many horses going to slaughter as there used to be, we're talking 350,000 a year compared to about 50, it's still 50,000 too many. And there's, there's no reason for it. It's highly unpopular. And it's one of the few um, nonpartisan issues in the United States. You know, every, you know, people from every walk of life, every background, political persuasion, it doesn't seem to matter where you're from. Uh, 70% of the United States of the people that live here do not want horses slaughtered. And that's just a fact. So it's it's one of those issues that almost everybody can agree on. And mm-hmm. that's why I believe strongly that one day we will we will end the slaughter of horses whether it's here or sending them across our borders for that purpose because it it really needs to stop. Yes. Oh my. Oh wow. So you have you have really rescued horses all over the United States. That is incredible, being in New York and from California to Texas to Florida. Wow, that is very interesting. Goodness, what what a mission you have up there. Well, that goes along a lot with one of the statements on your website, promoting the humane and responsible treatment of horses. That is, that is just definitely what you stand for. And... Do you rescue then horses, ponies, mules? What all have you rescued in those 25 years? Well, as I mentioned, we we take horses who have no one to to speak for them. So Mm -hmm. one of the things we try to do, for instance, with horses that are used by Amish and Mennonite farmers, here we're talking about draft horses, work mules, and um, Amish buggy horses that are primarily standard breds, you know, the horses that race pulling sulkies, because those horses know how to pull, the Amish and the Mennonites like them to pull their buggies. Uh, Mm -hmm. In their culture, um, they don't really believe in keeping horses for life. To them, it's not practical, which is not to say that there aren't some fine people there. I'm not, But the ones that take their horses to the slaughter auctions know exactly what's going to happen to them. So I have bought horses and mules privately from them so that they don't end up at the auction. And I've also gone to the auctions and and rescued uh, some of these um, mules and horses because... Once they can't work or serve a purpose is when they get thrown away. Um, And so that's just one type of horse that we rescue. The PMU mares and foals from Canada, and we've rescued a few hundred of them. Um, The PMU industry is an industry that is obsolete and should no longer be in existence, but it is because of greed, just like so many other things. Back in 1942... Women first were given 
Premarin, which stands for pregnant mare's urine, if you can believe it, Premarin. And oh. the reason it's, it's used to treat the symptoms of menopause. So Premarin is used for estrogen replacement therapy, and Prempro um, is, is for hormone replacement therapy. But okay. either way, um, PMU, or pregnant mare's urine, uh, in back in 2001, there was a huge study called the Women's Health Initiative. You might be familiar with that. And that major study was stopped midstream because it sh- it proved that women using PMU were at higher risk for breast cancer, heart attacks, strokes, clotting, dementia, and a host of other horrible diseases and conditions. But back in 1942, there were no other effective medications to treat the symptoms of menopause, and there was a lot of propaganda behind selling this drug because doctors were told, you know, as soon as a woman hits 40, she should be on Premarin. And I can't tell you how many women died of breast cancer and other horrible things. Uh, there have been class action suits. Uh, over the years, the the drug company that made it, American Home Products, which then merged with Wyeth, which then merged with Pfizer, um, you know, that has changed. But after the Women's Health Initiative, the profit was cut in half from like $2 billion a year to a billion a year, which is why Pfizer won't give this up. In the meantime, the the foals that are born to the mares that have to be pregnant in order to have estrogen-rich urine, which is the main ingredient Mm -hmm. of these drugs, are considered byproducts and are summarily fattened and sent to slaughter. And so Mm -hmm. all the images coming out of primarily three Western Canadian provinces, primarily Manitoba, which is the heart of PMU country and where it was produced, all of that all of that, all of those images about the suffering and the slaughter was getting back to this country as American women were and still are the biggest market for these drugs, sadly. Mm-hmm. And so we started rescuing horses up there and bringing them down here um, and using them as ambassadors to tell people this is what's going on. Um, in the meantime, uh, Pfizer has transferred the majority of production of PMU to China. So now there are not that many PMU factory farms left in Canada. There are some. But in mm-hmm. China, there's no rescue. There's no information. There's n- no one knows what's going on there. And so women taking these PMU drugs still are getting drugs with this raw material coming out of China where we don't know anything about how, you know, I think it's just it, we're it's at the end of its line I believe because in recent years there are many more medications on the market that doctors say are mm-hmm. better and safer for women you know there's been a lot of changes in the way people um about the way medical professionals advise women on menopause and the, the new rule of thumb is you give the least amount of medication for the short for a shorter period of time, the shortest period of time. And in some cases, you don't even need medication. Sometimes it's so much as just a lifestyle change. But the whole mm-hmm. issue of menopause is being looked at differently now. I mean, my doctor refuses to prescribe any drugs that have PMU in them. And so... Uh, same thing for a lot of the modern doctors, but then there are still a whole group of doctors that are still promoting these PMU drugs. And, I, you know, we really need more education about this because this is 
an industry that has seen its day, and there are so many more medications that women can take that are better and do not involve the use, abuse, and mass slaughter of horses to make them. Oh, goodness. Well, you are you are very educated on that. Wow. Well, that brings you even have on your at your sanctuary you do a humane education center. As educated as you are, I totally understand why you have this now. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what's all involved in the Humane Education Center? Sure. So it's a separate building on the sanctuary grounds. And because, you know, we're just one organization, and even though we have a lot of horses, it's just a drop in the bucket compared to the numbers that need help. And we can't do it all alone. So I always felt that educating young people and older people, but just education in general will make people aware. Not only that, but it gives them the tools to become proactive on their own if they have the ability to rescue a horse on their own. Uh, then we can help with that. We can help advise them. Um, and people, and because we're in the country, you know, there are more people that have room for horses than they do in, in, in urban areas. And so... It's also helpful that when people see um, a cruelty case that they know how to report it. So those are the things we do. Uh, Before COVID in 2019, we had more than 800 elementary school students here. They come in by bus, and we have a teacher uh, who um, does a class and then does a tour of the sanctuary. And in the class, we don't tell these kids how to think or what we think is best. We let them make that decision on their own. We give them the information. Mm -hmm. We show them photographs. We say, tell us what you see and what you feel. What's the difference here? So just for instance, um, one, one of the PowerPoint photos is of an urban carriage horse in the middle of New York City leading a nose to tailpipe existence in the middle of traffic. It's quite a bizarre sight. And the other <laughs> photograph is a picture of, of a carriage uh, with two people sitting in it on a, on a green field, and they're in the country and just riding the horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we say to the kids, okay, so what is the difference? What do you see here? And they never get it wrong. You know, they'll always say, yeah. well, this horse, these, this horse shouldn't be in traffic. How terrible they're in the middle of Manhattan you know, getting grazed by cars and buses, and that's not a natural environment for horses. And then they'll see the other horse, and they'll say, well, that horse looks a lot happier. Uh, There's only two people in the carriage. They're in the country. And when that horse goes home, that horse has a place to go where the horse might be turned out, whereas in urban centers there's no place for horses to be turned out. So that's what they get to, to learn about. But it's also not just about horses. It's just having a general sense of responsibility, whether you have a dog, a cat, an elderly relative, uh, that you have to make sure that people and animals land in a safe spot and that they're not just thrown away, discarded, um, and not treated humanely. So it's really more of a universal thing with an accent on horses. And when Mm -hmm. the kids get to see these animals and they get to read about their individual stories because at every pasture and paddock we have graphics with the bios of every horse and their photos so they can find the horses in in the pastures and read about them 
and all the forces that are here stay here for life. They don't go anywhere. They are okay. not adopted. They stay here. And um, so a lot of the kids that come and adults, we also have college students that come, uh, get to see the same horses, know that they're here and can check up on them and see how they're doing. And, you know, that's that's been our program from the start. But humane education, I think, is really key uh, for the future horse guardians of America, you know. And that's, you know, I think that that's really important because, as I said, as a group, we can only do so much. So we have to give people mm-hmm. the tools to be able to do things on their own. Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. And like you said, they are the future generation of caring for these horses. And such a great way to teach them like that. Wow. And you are so educated on the information you just shared about the PMU mares and the cruelty that happens to these horses and the babies. and Oh, my. Very good. Very good information that you are bringing out and letting our listeners hear where they don't hear it on an everyday basis. And I, this Humane Education Center, you're doing the same with the children like that, and even college-age kids coming out. That is, that is fantastic, and always getting to see the same horses to connect with. Wow, that is really neat. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so, and you said they always stay. So you do, did you ever adopt some out in the beginning, or have yes. you always? Yes. Okay. No. You did in so, the beginning. Yeah, so when I started, you know, when people do anything following their passion, you don't mm-hmm. always, not everybody does it the same way, and I would not advise anybody <laughs> to start an organization the way I did because it was on a shoestring, maybe a half a shoestring, um, <laughs> operating out of an apartment in Queens. And so I was rescuing horses around, you know, around this area, you know, like, the states surrounding New York. I had horses boarded and in foster homes in six states, and I was trying to raise money to support the organization. At that point, there wasn't even a sanctuary on the horizon. But I always, I always had the belief that if I did the work and it was noticed that we would get the support, and it did happen. Mm-hmm. But you really have to be focused on what you're doing um, in order to make that come true. And believe me, uh, this sanctuary to me is a little piece of heaven, but I didn't picture Mm -hmm. it. You know, I didn't picture a place like this. I just kept going. And, yeah, so in the beginning, obviously, without a sanctuary, uh, there was the very first major rescue that we did was of 27 camp horses and ponies, and it got a ton of publicity. So I had to find homes for all those animals before going to court. It was a bankruptcy case. Mm -hmm. And I was up against a guy who was known as a killer buyer, a middleman middleman for the slaughterhouses. And Uh so he wanted Mm -hmm. them. So it was me against him. And it was all over the newspapers. Mind you, we were only a little over a year old. So I'm raising money, and I've got people from Ohio and Pennsylvania and Vermont and so I go to court, and I raise more money. We win the horses. We, we had a convoy of horse trailers outside the courthouse in Albany, which is a city, and everybody got into their trailers and drove to the site where the animals were and took them back home. So we had adopted those horses, and we did adopt others. 
The problem with adoption is that the more you adopt, the more horses you have to keep track of. And unfortunately, not everybody is truthful about their Mm -hmm. intentions. That's number one. Mm -hmm. The other thing is people's lives change. Horses live twice as long as dogs and cats. They can live to 30 or more. We've got a 35-year-old donkey here. So a lot Mm -hmm. can happen in 35 years. And so when we got the sanctuary in 2004, we got a lot of horses back that we had adopted out. And in some cases, one of the horses was from that initial rescue back in 1997. The horse, his name was Dallas, and he was eight years old. He's still here. He's 32 now. But he he was adopted to a woman in New York City who boarded him in New Jersey to ride, and one day she called me up and said, I lost my job. I can't afford to keep him anymore. He came back in great shape. She took great care of him, but this is what happens in life. You know, it's just right. something that happens. So we mm-hmm. were, you know, mm-hmm. since we had the sanctuary, he came back to us, and he's here, and he's still here. But, you know, it got to be, it got to it got to the point where um, we we just couldn't do these adoptions anymore because we would have needed a bigger staff to check up on them constantly right. and to make sure mm-hmm. people were doing the vet care and all of the other things you're supposed to do. Um, I can tell you that last year at this time we had spent a certain amount on veterinary care and medications. This year, at the same time, we've spent two-thirds more on it because sometimes you can't control what horses are going to get sick or what medications they're going to need. When horses Mm -hmm. have special needs and they ha- and they need special care are the people adopting these animals going to provide that care so right. that's one of the re- and and also the fact is that these horses are not adoptable most of them are not because like the PMU mares if they're not mm-hmm. physically injured they are mentally fried yeah. uh, these are animals that some of them have taken years um just to be able to handle them because they are so mistreated. They're treated like they're not even alive. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with, and now here there's no timeline. We we don't have any, you know, everybody can, can settle in at their own pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are not horses that should be adopted. And there are plenty right. of domestic horses that can be adopted. Um, mm-hmm. These are not among them. So we only the only horses we have here that weren't rescued from horrific circumstances are the are of, of, of the offspring of pregnant PMU mares that we rescued and their babies are here, and mm-hmm. then we have one special horse. <laughs> he came here in he came here in January, and um, even though he he didn't have to be rescued, he did need to be retired, and because he gave so much of his so much incredible service to the to this country we just wanted him to be here his he, his name is Tyler and he served with the US Army's Caisson platoon helping to lead the caskets of military members who passed away to their final resting places at Arlington oh. National Cemetery and he oh did my. that for 9 years and with honor and he developed arthritis the Quezon horses 
uh, everybody wants one. There's a there's a waiting list for them, and the army adopts them accordingly. But Tyler was not a candidate for adoption because of his arthritis. He really can't be ridden anymore. So we right. offered him a forever home here. So he's uh-huh. the only who does that. But he didn't come from you know any kind of bad situation. He just came uh-huh. from from uh-huh. from that from the service he performed for nine years, and we felt that we'd love right. to give him a home. Oh, oh, how beautiful! Oh, he he has got to be very special because wow, and a forever home. I just love that. I love when I hear they're given the forever home because that's what they deserve. They are, they are magnificent, magical horses. There's just no other way to describe them. I love them. <laughs> well, you know, we also of the eighty-one horses, we've got um, eighteen thoroughbreds here, and oh. most of them raised. Some were bred for racing and, and never got to race because they became injured beforehand. But, yeah, we we have standard breds here, and we have quarter horses. But the the race horses, you know, that's a whole other subject yeah. because there are just so many of them bred every year, and most of them never make it to the racetrack. Um, it's, it's, you know, so we, we try to help as many of them as we can as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's... That is incredible. Well, Susan, this interview has gone so quickly. I cannot believe and all the information. And I had so many questions I was going to ask you. And, oh, my goodness, I I have to ask, will you please return to my show again? Because there is so much more information to share about equine advocates. I would love to have you back. <laughs> Well, I'd love to be back. This is a pleasure, and I can't believe it went that quickly either. It was a pleasure. Oh, well, I am so glad that makes two of us feel that way, and I will definitely have you return because there is so much more to share. I want to thank you so much for being my guest today, Susan, and sharing all this valuable information with our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. You are so welcome, very welcome. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to this incredible interview and informational interview with our amazing diva, Susan Wagner, who will be returning to and to fill us in more information on equine advocates. So please share this show with all your family and friends. And be sure to check out all the other hosts and their shows on divasatcare.com. Have a fantastic day. Remember, be kind to all. Go give your animals that great big extra hug and share all your love with them. Until we connect again on Robust Lifestyles, stay strong and healthy. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.